1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and we'll get into the message this morning. It's so good to be here again, and um, I tell you, this might be the last time we all get together together, you never know. And that's why uh, whenever we come to church, we ought to get in, we ought to be prepared for the service, we ought to be prayed up, we ought to be ready to worship, we ought to be ready for preaching, and uh, you never know when the last time, uh, you know, we, we live in a world that takes it for granted, we, we live in a, uh, in, a, in a point in time where a lot of people in church take church for granted, but we ought not take it for granted. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing, and I tell you what, while we're on that subject, um, I'll just stop for a second, and uh, I know yesterday was Veterans Day, and I, I don't know about y'all, but I really appreciate our veterans, don't y'all? Uh, you know, we, we have freedoms today that certain, uh, I'll be honest with you, we've got freedoms in America that no other country in the world have, and uh, I thank God for that. Uh, sometimes it can be a negative thing. We see what's going on in our society and, and uh, some of the things that's being introduced to our children and in our government and different things. But you know what? At the end of the day, I thank God that we do live in a country that we can express our beliefs and can express our feelings, no matter how crazy they might be. Uh, and, and we can do that because we've had men and women fight and fight and fight to keep our country the way that it is. And uh, I sure do appreciate our veterans. I know, uh, uh, I know Brother Wade, he's not here this morning. Brother Wade Haynes, I know he was uh, he's a veteran, and I sure do thank him for his service. Do we have anybody else in here? Maybe I don't know about. Uh, Brother Elmo was. Yes, sir. Brother Elmo, he, he is a veteran, and I thank God for his service. Anybody else? All right. I tell you what, I thank God uh, for our veterans today and men and women that that aren't scared to uh, go forth and fight for our freedoms. I tell you, um, I, I, uh, I saw a thing the other day and I won't go into all the details. I was telling my wife about it. I said, you know, I said, um, I said, um, our government, I really wish our government would treat our veterans better than what they do. And uh, I, I think in our day, there's, there is a, there's, there's not enough significance put on our veterans and, and, and the men and women that are fighting for our country and, and going through everything that they have. There's not been enough. Uh, I, I, I tell you, we just we don't understand everything. And I, I saw a thing I, I was telling Nicole about yesterday. Uh, there's, a, um, there's a TikTok out there of, of this girl that thinks she's a guy and, and um, uh, she's flying a rainbow flag and and she's all mad and upset and she made this TikTok about uh, you know what did you ever do for your flag what we earned this flag and she's talking about all this stuff oh it's just enough to make your blood boil and uh, but a couple a couple veterans got a hold of that video and they clipped the first part out of it and uh, they've got her doing her little crying and fussing and and ranting and then uh, they switch over to uh, some things things that our veterans have to deal with because uh, you know what they really did fight for the flag <laughs> I tell you what what did you ever do for your flag well we've got men and women that gave their life for the flag uh, American flag we've got men and women that that are uh, disabled because of that flag we've got men and women that are fighting mental illness because of that flag and uh, I tell you what uh, I told my wife yesterday I was looking at it, I said these little snowflakes they can just go on back into a corner somewhere and get out and uh, just get over it because we got people out here fighting for the flag in America and I thank God for the 
the uh, the freedoms that we have, and uh, I hold them near and dear to my heart. And uh, I tell you, you ought to you ought to appreciate our veterans. We we really should, and uh, I thank God for them. My 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 uh, grandpa, he he fought in Korea, and you could never get him to talk about the war. You could never get him to talk about uh, his experiences because uh, he he said they they weren't worth talking about. As and, and what he meant, not that. Uh, not in a bad way, but uh, war is just not something you ever want to experience. And uh, I know men and women that, that come from, I know, I know several people personally that was in Vietnam. I know some guys personally that were in Afghanistan. And uh, I tell you what, uh, my heart goes out to them. Uh, I, I thank God for our veterans. I tell you, we couldn't do what we're doing right now if it wasn't for our veterans. And uh, man, I tell you, um, thank you if, uh, to our veterans today. First Thessalonians chapter number five. Uh, I want to point out a few verses here, and if you found your place uh, in, your, in the Word of God, I want you to stand in honor and reverence to the reading this morning. Verse number five, if you're able and willing to, chapter number five, First Thessalonians. I want to read nine verses right here, and we'll get on into the service and get on into the message this morning. The Bible tells us here, but of the times... And the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. And uh, here in the, here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, to get some context of what's being said in these nine verses, I want to back up uh, to chapter number five, uh, chapter number four for just a moment to see what Paul had to say in the last six verses of chapter number four. Now, uh, we, we get spoiled sometimes by the chapter headings and things in the Bible, even paragraphs, but uh, the, the separation that we find are not always very good separations. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll put in a chapter 4 to chapter 5, uh, and uh, to be honest, right here, chapter 5 is just a continuation of chapter 4. And let me explain what I'm talking about. The chapter headings in our Bible are not inspired. They were put there just for organization, and sometimes uh, they could have been organized a little bit better. You see, when the manuscripts came around and when the translation started, uh, it was just all words. <laughs> Boy, that was a task, uh, wouldn't you think? Uh, Brother Elmo mentioned how many uh, words in the Bible this morning, 700, and I, I, don't, I, I don't have the exact number. There's a lot of them. Could you imagine just having a big old book and no, uh, no separations whatsoever and having the task of figuring all that out? And so, uh, but so here in chapter number five, I read there verse 1 through 9, but let's go back to 4 because uh, 1 through 9 is talking about chapter 4 and what's said in the end of chapter number 4. And so if you look in verse number 13, it, this is very important. The Bible says, 
But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, asleep in that verse is not the same asleep that we find in chapter 5. Okay, it's talking about two different things. Asleep in chapter number 4, verse number 13, uh, is talking about those who are uh, dead according to this physical world. And uh, I tell you what, I'll just stop right there for a second. Aren't you glad? And for a child of God, when it comes to death and what we know of dying, to our Savior, to our Bible, uh, and, and it is always referenced as sleeping. You know why? Because you ain't dead. Oh, that physical body may be dead. You may be lifeless as far as what we could see here. But honey, you're very much alive up in heaven. That's what the Bible tells Come on now. Y'all wake up. Give me some amens right there. Aren't you glad for that today? That's why you don't have to be scared of death. Hey, Jesus conquered death. We can have life because He died for us. So when we lay these bodies down on this physical earth, hey, all we're doing is going to sleep. You know why? It says in verse 14 that for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, uh, even, so, uh, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So they're not dead. What amazing thing is that? Isn't that amazing? For uh, it says, uh, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Look in verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend. Hey, y'all remember Sunday's message last week out of Acts chapter uh, 1, uh, there in those 11 verses. In verse number 11, the Bible says, This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Isn't that amazing? Those disciples that day, they saw him go up into heaven. But hey, right here we see that he's coming back the same way that he went up. Ah, for the Lord himself shall descend. Oh, says from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And he goes right into chapter number 5 and keeps talking about it. Now, there is a bit of a separation here, even though I don't like where they separate the chapter 5 at. I think it's a continual thing here. But let me just tell you here, keep, keep talking about the con, uh, context here. And y'all pray for me. I'm stuttering this morning. I can't breathe this morning. I, am, I don't know what I am, but uh, I'm going to preach with the help of God this morning. Amen. I'm going to preach or die trying. Anyways. Here in this uh, chapter number 4 in these verses, in verse number 13, I want you to understand that we see a revelation. In verse 14, we see a resurrection. In verse 15, we see a reassurance. In verse 16, we see a rapture. In verse 17, we see a reunion. And in verse 18, we see a rest. Boy, some beautiful things in those six verses. Now these verses concluding chapter 4, they're dealing with the rapture of the church. And this is a subject, y'all, that's been debated for centuries. You see, some people believe that there's no biblical basis uh, for the rapture because the word rapture is not found in Scripture. Now to the fact that the word rapture is not found in Scripture, I will agree. But there it is there nonetheless by definition. 
condition. Let me explain. We see the phrase in verse number 17 of chapter 4 here, caught up. Now that word rapture translates a Latin word which is rapto or raptus. And it comes from the Greek word herpazo. And that phrase, uh, that phrase translated caught up literally means to seize, to claim for oneself, to snatch out or to snatch away. Now, I don't know about y'all, that word rapture, it may not be there in physical form, but it is there by definition. And honey, God, one of these days is going to snatch us away. He is going to claim us for himself. He's going to seize us. He's going to take us out of this world. And he's going to take us to safety. Mm-hmm. It says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, if you go on down into chapter number five, and we're going to look at this in just a little bit. Uh, we see actually in verse number nine, here's why I believe in the rapture of the church. Y'all want to know why? Number one, because of what I just told you. Number two, chapter five, verse number nine says this, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus. Now, while we don't have this word rapture recorded in Scripture, clearly the doctrine and the teaching is there. The rapture of the church, y'all, is a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith. And, and through our faith in Christ, we have the hope of a future resurrection of the dead where all believers will be called away to meet the Lord in the air and enter into His glorious presence with a new glorified Body, And when I say hope, y'all, I'm talking about hope as it's defined in the Bible. I'm not talking about maybe so. I'm talking about hope. I'm talking about something that we expect through faith. That's what the Bible means when it says hope. This world's ruined the definition of hope. But I'm talking about Bible hope this morning. Now... Had Christ not risen, if we had no hope of life beyond the grave, our faith would be no better. It wouldn't be any different than any of the false religions of this world. This hope right here, it sets us apart. Now in chapter 5, which is our actual text today, where I'm bringing the message, Paul is refocusing on the revelation of Jesus Christ that we read about in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 21, and the day of God's wrath. What is the day of God's wrath? Well, we see in the Bible when you, when you compare Scripture with Scripture, it's the second coming of Christ. It's at the end of the tribulation period. And just look, just look at our text in chapter number 5. We go from the rapture, and then what happens? The wrath. We see the day of the Lord in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. We see the destruction of the loss in, in verse 3 of chapter 5. We see the darkness and the light in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 5. And then in verse 6, we find a word that is very familiar to all of us, and that is the word, therefore. Look at it with me. Verse number 6, therefore. And y'all know what we do when we find the word therefore in the Bible, don't we? We see what it's there for. Right? Now the Word of God tells us that there is a responsibility resting upon all believers in the light of His coming. Being a Christian means something. Y'all know that? It means something. We live in a world where being a Christian doesn't mean anything. But in reality... Being a Christian means something. It's one thing to say that you walk in the light, but it's another thing to prove that you walk in the light. 
Thus Paul reminds the Thessalonians here that a Christian's new nature will be reflected by a Christian's new conduct. We're not in the dark as to our duty as followers of Christ. Therefore, a grave and sober responsibility rests upon us all. We know this because the Bible says, let us do three things found in verses 6 through 8. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. All of the, these three things have to do with the soberness of the believer. And that's what I want us to look at today. Number one, therefore, because we're in Christ, because we are children of the light, and we don't walk around in darkness anymore. Hey, the Bible tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2, doesn't it? We're not children of darkness. We're children of light. If you're born again, you have been quickened. You've been made alive through Christ Jesus. And so, therefore, number one, let us not sleep. Look what the Bible says in verse number six. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Hey, can I tell you this morning, we need to be awake. The first mark of a child of God living in expectancy of Jesus coming is their attention. What captures our attention captures our hearts. I saw a, a brother uh, put up something on social media last week that really, oh man, it just it, it's one of those, it's one of those. It's one of those just, just a few words, but man, what a punch they packed. Uh, uh, Brother uh, Chris Hewitt, he put up a post last week and he said, you say you are saved, but everything you love is lost. What a profound statement in just a handful of words right there. That's a gut punch. I tell you. But what captures our attention is what captures our hearts. And you know what ought to capture our hearts today? It ought to be the coming of Christ. It ought to be the things of Christ. If we are Christian, if we are saved, we ought to love the things that our Lord loves. Paul is, instructs the Thessalonians here to be awake. In verse 5, Paul recognized that the church was sons of the light and sons of the day, and Christians are of the day. Therefore, Christians should not be spiritually asleep. Listen to me this morning. When a person is asleep, they aren't alert, nor are they involved in what's going on around them. And you want to know something this morning? we got people sitting in our churches that are as asleep as they can be. I, and I I don't mean just physically and half the time physically. Yeah. I told a man one time, I said, I said, uh, he said something about sleeping while I was preaching. And I said, well, I said, I'll just keep getting louder and louder and louder. I don't know how you could sleep with me preaching. He looked at me. He said, oh, you can. And I said, well, God bless you. I said, if my voice don't wake you up, maybe next time I see you, a red back church hymnal will. <laughs> Anyways, but hey, let me tell you something more than just physical asleep. We've said, well, I've got people, hey, you ever been in a church service? I mean, the glory of God is falling. The singers are singing. The preacher is just as full as he can be. He's wide open. God's just poured out the honey bucket on his soul. And you got people sitting there like this. You know why people are like that? Because they're asleep. They're asleep. 
a spiritual sleep this morning. Let me tell you what it is. It's a state of apathy. It's a state of indifference toward God and His things. It's a state of being unaware of our spiritual condition and the need for fellowship with God. Hey, I know how it is. I was there. I've been there several times in my life. You got dear old saints of God test, testifying. We ain't got them around here, thank God. But where I grew up, we did. You got dear saints of God testifying. The glory just pouring out all over the place. People getting help. And I'm sitting back here counting ceiling tiles. Waiting for 12 o'clock to roll around. Yeah. You know why I'm so hard on junk like that? Because I've been there. And I know how it is. And you know what happened to me? I finally got right with God. And he fixed it all up. Hey, I know sometimes we're tired. We come in, we're hurting. We got things on our mind. But God help us to leave the things that are on our mind at the door. It's like I said this one. This may be the last time that we ever gather together. And God forbid we sit here with everything else on our minds. Yeah, I know it's easier said than done. Let me tell you something, sleep, sleep spiritually is, is <clears throat> well, it's all over. It's everywhere in our day. Well, let me tell you something, Jonah though, I preached a whole series on Jonah one time. I love Jonah, love studying Jonah. He learned the dangers of sleeping while God was talking, didn't he? He figured that if he slept long enough, God would take his message to somebody else. But you know what Jonah found out? He found out that God has got a way of waking you up when he wants to get your attention. Yeah. 2016, in January of 2016, God woke me up. Thank God I've been awake ever since <laughs> with his help. That ain't always perfect. Do I get tired? Do I come in and I feel bad? Absolutely. I'm here this morning. I feel like half of me is gone because my wife is at home this morning. It messes with you. I was talking to a brother, uh, another pastor this morning. I said, it just messes with me. I said, pray for me this morning. I said, when I go to church and my wife's not with me, I'm not right. I just don't feel right. My brain don't work right. My thoughts don't flow like that. Hey, should it be like that? I don't know, but it just is. It's tougher to preach. I think sometimes I tell, I tell her, I say, well, honey, at least I, I said, no matter how mean I get and the whole church leave and they might all get mad, I know you'll be in my corner. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe when I come in and I ain't got her, I feel like I'm outnumbered. <laughs> I don't know, but it messes with me. And I'm not the only one like that. I know several pastors that say the same thing. And so here's the thing, though, the spiritual sleep is a state of apathy. It's a state where you just don't you don't care. And I know times get tough and you have to come in and you're tired and you're wore out. You may be sick. You may not feel good. I understand that. Please don't be offended by that. I know sometimes. But, honey, oh, oh, when we come to church, let's get in church. Let's try. Hey, that's why it's important to prepare for church. That's why it's important to pray uh, and be prayed up and be, and be prayed up before you come in. Hey, Jonah, learn. I tell you what, I th I'm thankful for that day that Jesus got my attention and woke me up. I was talking about some guys yesterday that I knew from my childhood and I, I told I was telling Nicole she was asking some questions and we got to talking about it. And I told her, I said, yeah, I said, God finally woke him up. He got saved. 
got right, got saved, got in church. And what a blessing that is when God wakes us up. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes God will use anything and everything. It may be your health. It may be a family member. Hey, God uses all sorts of things to get our attentions. He used a storm and a great big whale to get Jonah's attention. And sometimes I wonder, what is it going to take? I'm going to be honest with you. When I got on that altar that night, I, I was praying and I was, I was begging God. I, you, 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 I'll, just, I'll just be honest with you. One of the reasons, I was scared to death of sitting on a shelf never doing anything for God because of my disobedience. He just, he just got my attention that night. And then I thought, I don't want, I don't want anything bad to happen for me to get my attention on God. For me to wake up. I don't want to get to that point. I've seen people down through their lives. It's taken a tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after this and that and everything happens to get their attention. I don't want that to happen in my life. I got on that altar that night and I just said, God, here I am. Whatever it is you want to use me for, whatever it is you want to tell me to do, I'm here. God, please, please help me to stay right with you. Please help me to... Be right with you. Please help me to be surrendered to you. And here I am today. But Jonah learned the dangers there. Hey, we've got to be awake this morning. You know why? Because Christ is coming again. He's coming back. We need to be awake to the spiritual decay in our churches. And man, there's a lot of it. We need to be awake to that. We need to be awake to the satanic destruction of our children. We need to be awake to the social decline of our country. We need to be awake to the sinners who are dying in our community. And while God sounds the siren of judgment, the world takes a nap. And what's even more disturbing is we've got many people in the church taking a nap with them. While an unbelieving world slumbers, sudden destruction will come like a thief in the night, according to verses 2 and 3. Hey, this world, they're all going to be talking about peace, and they talk about peace, and even now we've got a war going on in Israel, and our president's talking about how he can bring peace over there. And I'm going to tell you something. I've read the Bible, and nobody's going to bring peace to the Middle East. Uh, hey, they're not going to have peace until the Prince of Peace comes back. But here's the thing, what do we hear? We hear peace and, and, and safety and peace and safety when our world is in more turmoil than it has ever been. And what's the Bible tell us? They're going to talk that up until the moment that sudden destruction comes upon them. Says it comes upon them like a woman in travail. Hey, hey, it comes upon them like a woman where she's pregnant. And hey, all of a sudden, she might be at Walmart. She might be in the middle of church. She might be walking down the road. It don't matter. But when that baby's, when it's time for that baby to come, that baby's coming no matter what she's in. And when that baby tells her that, 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 that it's coming, then she stops what she's doing. And you better get to a hospital. That's the way the Bible tells us that the sudden destruction is going to come upon them. In other words, the warning signs are there. I can't think of anything a better illustration than, than a woman who is pregnant. The warning signs are there. We see, but we just don't know what time. My realtor right now, she's, uh, she's, she's getting ready to have a baby, and we've joked around. She said, I think this baby's going to be here by the time you close on that house. 
And I said, you're probably right if we don't get bit. And by the way, we were supposed to close West last Wednesday. We didn't get to. So y'all pray for us. Maybe this Wednesday we're, we're trying it again. So we'll see. Hopefully everybody's got their paperwork and everything. Lord have mercy. And so we've kind of made it a running joke because we started this process in the middle of July. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I said, yeah, I said, we'll be celebrating uh, that baby by time. I said, we'll be celebrating the baby and the closing at the same time. Hallelujah. And so the fact of the matter is, we know. I, 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 told, I told Nicole, I said, yeah, and I said, here we are. I said, next week, I said, she'll be in a hospital giving birth. Why do I, I don't know exactly when that baby's coming, but it's coming. There are signs that it's coming, but nobody knows exactly when. That's why it's a perfect illustration. Hey, none of us know when the rapture is going to take place. None of us know when that's going to happen. But hey, there are warning signs. And we better be ready. We better be ready. We must be awake. Number two this morning, look in verse six. The second thing we find is let us watch and be sober. So not only are we supposed to be awake, First, let us not sleep, but then it says, let us, says, but let us watch and be sober. We can never be aware if we're not awake. But let me tell you something, y'all. We can be awake, but not be fully aware. Yeah. That's the truth, ain't it? Right, so we're getting in, we're getting in deeper right here. Not only are we supposed to be awake, we're supposed to be aware. Y'all know, I'm, I don't know about y'all, y'all know, y'all, I, have y'all ever stood right in front of somebody's face and they're telling you instructions and your mind is a million miles away and they get done and all you hear is, hey, do you got it? And you go, no, I, I didn't hear a word you said, I'm sorry. What's the problem? You're awake, but you ain't aware. I'll never forget, I don't remember what he was doing, it was when Noah was smaller. And I mean, he looked at everything like, I mean, squirrel, he'll squirrel there, squirrel. And we were walking through Walmart one day, and he ran right, he walked right into one of those big metal posts. He is the reason there's carpet around them things. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'll never forget that. He probably don't even remember it. But I, I've got it, and, and we're walking side by side, and all of a sudden I hear a doink, and I look down, and I'm like, what's wrong with, what happened? And and he had ran right into one of them things. He was looking at something. You know what happened? He was awake, but he wasn't aware. <laughs> and hey, it's possible. We, I, I love you, buddy. He hates me. Anyways, <laughs> it's tough being a preacher's kid. You work your way into all the illustrations. But anyways, I've had that happen. I've had people look at me and be sitting there talking to me, and my mind couldn't be further than what they're, from what they're saying. And they'll ask me a question. I'm like, uh, uh, um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And then I'm going, I probably should have listened before I said that. <laughs> Y'all ever done that? Am I, the only, am I the only person that does that? You know what's wrong? We're awake, but we're not aware. And so, what does it mean to be spiritually aware? We've talked about being spiritually asleep, but what does it mean to be spiritually aware? Well, Paul uses two terms. He says, watch and be sober. How do we be spiritually aware? We watch and be sober. 
Our attention must be totally and completely on the Lord Jesus Christ. We must concern ourselves with His work. We must concern ourselves with His will. We must be obedient to His Word. We need to be alert. We are to be focused, observant, looking, examining, anticipating, or expecting something to happen. What is the motivation for the Christian life? Why do we do what we do? And the motivation behind the preaching, the motivation behind inviting people to church, the motivation behind placing a gospel tract somewhere, the motivation behind everything is what? It is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Time is almost up. And we need to be alert. Jesus taught His disciples not to turn their backs to the reality of His return. They were to be living in a constant state of awareness. Here's what the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verse 35 and on. He says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the Master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly He find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. And here's what He said. Watch. The Bible's telling the church to watch. And it's also telling us to be sober. Now that word sober means simply to abstain from wine. Be sober. Uh, watch. It signifies being free from the influence of intoxicants. Paul obviously is speaking of spiritual matters here. But he also means that Christians are not to be drunk on alcohol. But Christians are to be sober. Let me give you a profound truth this morning, alright? If you're not sober physically... You are not sober spiritually. You can't be. You can't be. So in our minds, the Bible tells us to renew our minds by the transforming of our minds. Hey, if you're not even aware physically, then you cannot be aware spiritually. To be sober means to be rigid and disciplined to control and, and control for Christ. It means to live a strict life of righteousness and godliness, ever looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. We must be aware to what's going on around us and why things happen the way that they do. And when we're watching for the Lord Jesus and we are sober about the way we are living, then the coming of the Lord Jesus, here it is, will not catch us off guard. Marvin Vincent wrote this. He said, alert wakefulness and calm assurance will prevent their being surprised and confused by the Lord's coming as by a thief in the night. Hey, you want to know how, how to not be surprised when He comes back? You want to know how to be ready when the Lord comes back? Then watch and be sober. We must be awake. We must be aware. And that takes watching. And that takes being sober on our part. The Bible says, let us not sleep, but let us watch and be sober. And then we have in verse number 8, we see to let us put on the armor. Let us put on the armor. Look in verse 8. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. It's time to wake up, clean up, and dress up. That's what the Bible tells us. When we dress up, we better put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, I already told you the hope is not this, oh, I'm, I'm hoping for it that day. It's like I was talking to them Mormons I was telling you all about on Wednesday, and they looked at me. I said, why do you do what you do? They said, so, well, we hope we can 
have a place in eternity? I said, hope as in what? I said, are you, are you faithfully expecting that? Like the Bible tells us, or are you saying, well, maybe I'll get it. And he looked at me, he said, no, he said, maybe. He said, the more that we do, the more, you know, as we rank up, yeah. And that's not what the Bible speaks of when it speaks of hope. That hope. The Bible says the second coming of Christ is that blessed hope. It's that, it's that earnest expectation. Hey, I'm expecting it. I'm looking for it. I'm watching for it. Why? Because of faith. I believe and it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Why? Because I've got faith in the Bible. The Bible says it's going to happen. I trust Jesus. Jesus says it's going to happen. He says, if I go not to prepare a place for you, I would have told you. In other words, if I wasn't telling you the truth, then I wouldn't have said anything. He tells them, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. Honey, if he said I'm coming again, then he's coming again. Yeah. Our attention must be on the things above and our attire must be from above. Paul admonishes the church right here to be sober because the church is of the day. Notice. I want you to notice something here. I'm just going to hit this and I'm going to go on because i, I got to hurry up. God doesn't dress us. That's our responsibility. Do you notice what he said right there? In, in verse number 8. But let us who are of the day be sober. Then look at this, putting on. You know what that tells me? It takes some effort on our part. It takes some effort on our part. We've got to put these things on. And uh, let, me, let me tell you, he gives you and I everything uh, that we need to live the Christian life in victory, but it's up to us to use what he's given us. It takes some effort on our part. It takes some effort. God has equipped us with the spiritual armor and we must apply that daily in our lives and by constantly walking with Jesus and living for Jesus, we learn to put on the armor of God. Now concerning the purpose of this armor. Now it automatically takes us over to Ephesians chapter 6 when we think about the whole armor of God over there. But he doesn't talk about the whole armor right here. He gives us two things. I think that's interesting. He identifies two areas. And you know what they are? It's the two areas that we are most vulnerable in. You know what they are? The heart and the head. The devil's going to get you. He's going to get you through one or the other. And the Christian values of faith, hope, and love are the three defenses available to the believer. Faith and love form the breastplate here that protects the heart. And hope is the helmet that protects the head. Faith reflects confidence. Love declares loyalty. Hope provides security. And this triad that we have here of Christian virtues form the essence of what is Christianity. You see, here's, here, here it is. We believe what God says by faith. We do what God requires out of love. And we trust what God promises because of hope. And there is no surprise, there is no coincidence that these are the three things that the devil has used to tear down churches, to tear down men, to tear down Christians, to tear down 
homes, to tear up a society. We've got all these people that are in churches and now and all these people that have grown in influence in, in society as being Christians. And what are they doing? They're deconstructing their faith. Man, it takes faith to believe what God's word says. And you know what? Before we ever got to that point, there was a, there was a point in time where people stopped trusting this word. If you don't trust what God says in his word, then I don't know where you go from there. That's where it all begins. How did I know what to do to be saved? Because God's word told me. Yeah. How do I know how to live the Christian life? God's word tells me. How do I know how, how do I know that I'm following something that is true and not something that is a lie? Because of God's word. When the devil starts attacking our head and our heart and starts breaking down the trust that we have in the word of God, I don't know where you go from there. It's sad, but that's what he does. And what's the Bible tell us to do? No coincidence. Shield, breastplate, breastplate, and the helmet. We must shield our heads and our hearts. Paul, therefore, encourages the Thessalonians to guard their hearts and to guard their minds, their heads, by remembering their relationship with Christ. Here's the thing. Paul's plea to the church for the last days is simply this. Let us be awake, let us be aware, and let us be armored. That's the message. That's the message this morning. We need to be awake to hear the voice of God. We need to be aware or alert to have a vision for God. We need to be armored to win the victory for God. Here's the thing. You know why so many of us aren't doing any more than what we are? You know why the churches are, are going in the opposite directions? They're getting smaller instead of more people coming. You know, you know one of the reasons why? Because we're sitting around. We don't have a vision. We're asleep. <clears throat> hey, when you sleep, I mean, you're in that state. Y'all, y'all ever, I mean, you're in that state of nothingness. You're just comfortable. Man, I don't want to move. I don't want to get up. I feel so good laying right here asleep. That's where we're at in many of our churches. But we're going to have to be awake if we're going to do anything for God. We're going to have to be awake if we're going to hear the voice of God. We're going to have to be aware. We're going to have to be watchful. We're going to have to be sober if we're going to have a vision for God. God help us this morning. Let's uh, stand and bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Dawn, come play for us. How is it with you this morning? How is it? I may be talking to somebody this morning that is...